We live in a world with no rhythms anymore. You know, when the sun goes down, usually for all of human history, that was a sign to stop working, go and rest. But in our day, when the sun goes down, we have electricity, we have light bulbs, we have artificial lighting. And when it's dark, we can turn on a light and we can still do our work, even though the sun has set with electricity and with technology and with artificial lighting comes the lack of rhythms. We can overextend ourselves beyond the natural limits of literally the day. We live in a world with 24-7 drive-throughs. We live in a world where you can get in your car, your automobile, go through a drive-thru at 3 a.m., give five or six dollars and get a meal in a bag and then you can eat that meal out of a bag in your car by yourself not around a table really quickly which would blow people's minds in the ancient world we live in a 24 7 world we live in a world that has a 24-hour news cycle just let that hit you that this 24-7 non-stop world we live in, that's a new thing. Being pinged and being um, reachable all the time in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning, that's a new thing. I started this practice of, of uh, parenting my phone, meaning I put my phone goes to sleep before I do and my phone wakes up after I do right? Uh, if parents are wise, you, you get up before your kids, you go to bed after your kids, right? You don't do those at the same time. And uh, I've been doing that with my phone. And I've even doing that with email, with technology, where like, not until 11 a.m., 1130, am I checking messages? Just because it's really destroyed my life. <laughs> we live in a world without rhythms, we are scattered people often. We are often hurried and frantic and distracted, not centered. Often we can race out of bed, grab a cup of coffee, get a breakfast bar and, and get in our car uh, if we're even going to a physical place and, or, or get out of our pajamas and jump on a Zoom call and, and like the rhythms and the boundaries of our life have just continued to be stripped away. My friends, I just want to suggest and do more than that. That's not good. It's not good for us. And, and while, while some of these um, issues are new, they're not entirely new. I think people have been um, dealing with pressures and stress and finding time to be with God forever. We're going to look at um, a really amazing example of someone who, who had a really important job, who was in a really bad situation, and um, literally had his life threatened by making time to spend with God multiple times a day, not just once a day, but multiple times a day. Um, I want to ask you and encourage you today to take a serious look at your life, your calendar, your, your, your appointments, your assignments, what you give your time and your energy to, what you give your mind to, um, the appointments you keep, the appointments you make. I want to encourage you really to focus on your work and most importantly, to focus on your office. Now, we'll explain a little bit of that um, 
in a moment. But, but today is really about your work in your office, and it's not what you think. Uh, we could take many inspirations in Scripture to talk about this as we kind of are t- coming to the tail end of our of our just our introduction to emotional health. And uh, but t- today we're going to look at Daniel. Um, you know, earlier this week, my uh, my son Hayden came into my office. I put them to bed, and I went in my office to do my my final daily office to sit there and to 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 just be still. And he comes in with his Jesus story of the Bible and he says, Daddy, can you read this story to me? I've never heard it before. And I looked at it. I was like, which one is it? And it was Daniel in the Lion's Den. And I said, wait a minute, I've never told you about Daniel in the Lion's Den. He's like, no, what happened? And so I ended up reading him and Grace and Daniel in the Lion's Den. And uh, I really did not even know that it was scheduled for this. But um, at the end of it, he said, Daddy, you should preach on that sometime. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, and, and when you preach, tell the church is my idea. So I, I told him I would, and here I am preaching on Daniel in the lion's den. And uh, we're gonna look at a different aspect of it than usual. Um, but it's kind of crazy that this week that happened and I wanna share that with you. We're gonna just read one verse, Daniel chapter six. If you're not familiar with Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, go read the book of Daniel. It's incredible. Um, but we're going to focus just on one verse, and we're going to take that verse and uh, kind of spring off of it like a diving board. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, just one verse. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he had full knowledge of this. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Hear the word of our Lord. Now, I'll encourage you to go read the context here. Uh, Essentially, uh, Daniel and his friends, some of his friends, were, were kidnapped from Israel and they were brought into Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar, and and basically Babylon wanted to strip all of the the Israeli culture and all their beliefs from them to the degree that they renamed these teenagers that they kidnapped. They renamed Daniel, Belteshazzar, and then his other friends, they they renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you ever heard of them, uh, these are young boys who who were who were kidnapped and brought basically as slaves to um, to Babylon to to kind of learn and teach the ways in there and be under the king and, and all this stuff. Really crazy story when you, when you think about it. Um, but three times a day, three times a day, Daniel prayed. And what's amazing about this is he had some coworkers who were jealous of him and they tricked the king into making a law that says, if you prayed to anyone for the next 30 days, besides King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, go to the lion's den. And they knew that David was so faithful with his daily office. They knew David was faithful, you know, morning, noon, and night, going to his room, opening the windows, getting on his knees and praying and thanking God. They knew he would be faithful and they, they set this trap. And so the king signed it, which is where we began in verse 10. Daniel knew it, didn't bother him. He still went. He did the daily office. He got on his knees three times a day opened his windows for people to see, and he prayed. And it cost him, almost cost him his life. He was thrown into the lion's den, and uh, you don't know the story. God came in, shut the mouths of the lions. The next morning, the king came out, was like, are you alive? And they had like, 
uh, lions were sleeping, you know. God saved Daniel. But I want you to notice this thing that Daniel has. He's got this rhythm, which a lot of us don't have. Three times a day. Three times a day. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, people, <laughs> uh, they won't even do it once a day. And sometimes people won't even come to church once a week. Daniel, three times a day. Well, in the book of Revelation, we have this picture of the beast. And, and, and the beast in scripture is this picture of, uh, of, of the world, uh, of the world's culture. And, and the beast is there to devour um, the people of God. Uh, really, the beast is, is like a prostitute um, uh, trying to get God's people um, into an adulterous love affair with herself so she can strip um, everything from. So this imagery in Revelation about the beast is crazy. And, and, and in the ancient world, in the first century when John wrote Revelation, the beast was Rome, right? Some people think today the beast is a smith. No, the beast was um, was the culture of the day, right? In in in, uh, in in Germany, right? It'd be like the beast was Nazi Germany. Um, in this story, uh, the the beast would be Babylon, and and the beast sought to to devour to to um, compete for the loves of Daniel and his friends. And so much so they changed, the beast changed their name. They, they wanted to um, make Daniel um, not just a slave in Babylon, but a Babylonian, right? Uh, they really wanted to get on the inside. They wanted to put Babylon on the inside of him. But no, it couldn't happen. We don't, one of the crazy things about Daniel is he was essentially the Secretary of State to King Nebuchadnezzar. He was a close advisor to the king. So think of how hard this would have been for Daniel. He's kidnapped, he's a slave in another country that is um, actively working to get his culture out of him, changed his name. Um, he's under intense pressure, uh, learning customs, learning things that aren't his, having to teach and advise the king. He, he's got a pretty incredible job as, you know, I'm just saying, like the secretary of state. It wouldn't be a stretch to say Daniel had a stressful life, a stressful job, a stressful life situation, a really, really bad situation. And yet, three times a day, he made time to be still, to open his windows, to take a humble posture, get on his knees and to thank and to pray to God. Uh, Daniel was able to maintain a connection to God, even in Babylon, even when the beast was trying to take God out of him and put Babylon into him. Daniel, I almost said David. If I've said David by accident, I'm talking about Daniel. Daniel was able to maintain this vital connection to the Lord. Think about this. You can't have a deep, relaxed, content life without a deep connection to God and his presence. Do you want a deep life? Do you want a centered life? Do you want a relaxed life? Do you want a life of peace and joy? Do you want a life of just contentment? Do you want a life where you can do this? <sighs> and you can stay there. You can't have that life without an abiding connection to God in his presence. And I'll go one further. You can't have a deep connection to God in his presence 
without a rhythm, without a plan, and without some intentionality. The beast is just simply too strong. The beast to get God out of you and put the world into you is too strong. You must have a plan. You must have some intentionality. You must put some effort into it. It's not to say you earn it, right? Effort is, uh, is not opposed, uh, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning, right? We do not work our way to get God's presence, but we do walk. We, 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 we do show up. We, we do have a plan. We do have some intentionality, right? And um, if we live in a culture that really has no rhythm, that is connected to God. And if most of the people in your life have no rhythm in their connection with God, my friend, how much more important is for you to be the one that not only has a relationship with God, but has a rhythm that keeps that relationship strong. There are a lot of tools available to us from the scriptures and from church history and from the early church that have been passed down to us that work. Um, two that are really strong to kind of get us off of the treadmill of, of the beast and get us kind of, uh, to use a different analogy, to unplug from the matrix. There are two tools that are really helpful. One Sabbath, the other is the daily office. I've talked a lot about Sabbath in recent years. Um, I won't do that today. I'm just gonna double click on the daily office because it's not one we talk a lot about. And and um, it's one that most people have a hard time with. I know as I started to learn to, to, learn to do this, it was really hard for me. Um, habits and patterns are hard to break and hard to set. And so today, I just want to um, just double click on um, the daily office, what it is and how it could benefit you. And, um, you know, I can't make you do it, but I'm going to do my best to try to inspire and encourage you to, um, to, to, to do it. Um, there's a difference between a quiet time and a daily office. Sometimes when we talk about daily office, um, if you've been around church, you think, oh, quiet time. This, what he's talking about is um, my devotions or this Bible study or my intercessory prayer time or, or this thing I do in the morning. And, and I, I think it's helpful to differentiate those things. Um, quiet times are good. I'm not, if you have a quiet time and if you're faithful to quiet time, I'm not suggesting that you abandon that. That's good. Um, but what can happen, at least for, for me, and I, I know it's the case for others, is that your quiet time can can um can more it, it's less of a rhythm right and it's more of this thing you go to do um in order to, to to get something right and it can be work to get something whether it's uh, to learn something get a new idea get inspired or to get god to answer a prayer and and, and so um i want to encourage you to look at quiet time um not this isn't negative i'm just explaining kind of the function of it is often when we have our quiet time or our devotions it's aimed at us working to receive to, 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 to get something from God, whether it's you know a new idea or or knowledge or or prayer answered. Okay, again, don't mishear me. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. There's a place for that. Daily office is completely different, but people confuse them and conflate them. Daily office is completely different. Um, office means work, right? Um, office means work. And so when we talk about the daily office and or really, you know, um, in, in other traditions, they may be, may be called fixed hour prayer. Um, what we're talking about is, is your office, your work, your first office, your first work, your daily work is not to do a quiet time, not to do a Bible study. Your daily work 
is to stop and know that he is God. That's your daily work. Your daily work is to be still and know that God is God and you are not. Your daily work is to stop and reorient yourself to the presence of God. That's your work. That's your office. That is so much different than a quiet time. Now, you can have a quiet time and feel the presence of God, totally. But but uh, let's go deeper than that. Your daily office, your daily work, your fixed hour prayers, your morning, noon, and night, your rhythm should be to stop. Recognize there's a beast. Recognize there's a flesh. To stop and to cease striving and just to know, experience, confess, acknowledge, God is God. I am not. You are not. This is what Psalms 27, 4 is talking about. David says, one thing. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all these days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I think that's David's way of saying, this is my daily office. Not to achieve something, not to learn something, not to get a prayer answered. That's fine. We should do that. The one thing I seek is to dwell in God's presence. I want to submit this idea to you. Regardless of your job, your profession, your calling, your circumstance, your situation, the life stage you're in, regardless of any of that, regardless of your workload, how you're feeling, your first priority, your first work, your first office is to seek God and to be with him. Not necessarily to learn more about him, although big proponent of that. Not necessarily to get a prayer answered. I'm a big proponent of that. Your first work, regardless, regardless of who you are, where you are, how you are, your first work is to seek after God, to enjoy and experience his presence. It's what Daniel did three times a day while he was a kidnapped slave in a foreign country surrounded by co-workers who were jealous and envious of him and set a trap so that he would get killed. I mean, my friends, if Daniel could do that, I think we could do that. So what does this look like? Um, this is a tricky area because we do need some inspiration. We do need some examples, but we also run the risk of maybe prescribing things that wouldn't work for you. And so what I want to move into is a time of description not necessarily prescription, okay? Because uh, some of these things I share may not work for you. But what I hope that you can do is, is get maybe an imagination for, okay, what does the daily office look like? If you're like me, you gotta see how to be. Like I learn by example, like I learn by watching YouTube, not by reading a manual. So sometimes we, we have to see, okay, what does that look like? And then we go experiment and we learn what works for us. So that's the kind of the spirit that I offer these things to you. Um, there are a couple of important things or elements or ingredients in a daily office that, that, that you need. Um, one is silence, which our culture doesn't do very well. And the other is scripture. On silence, 
Um, I remember a couple of years ago, we, we had a, a leadership retreat out at um, the, the Smith Family Ranch. We had a big bonfire. We had some time of worship, and everyone finally got there. It was about maybe nine at night. It was dark, huge bonfire. We prayed. We were singing, and the song ended, and then we just had a, 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 a we just like silence, no words. I was leading the time, and I just felt the Lord say, be still. And I noticed some people were like, and some people were like fidgeting, pulling out their phones, getting on Instagram, taking pictures. They could not sit in the silence. And I think it went on for like five or seven minutes. It was like so painfully long, but it was so good for the soul. And finally someone talked, like, I can't do this anymore. But silence is the first thing in the daily office. Just be still. The second is scripture. The the third might be uh, prayer. The fourth might be meditation. But just like, let's go to the first two, silence and scripture. Which one of those is a non-negotiable? If you can only have one of these ingredients in your daily office, which one would it be? Silence or scripture? Answer in your head. Which one is the most important that you cannot do without? Silence or is it scripture? Soren Kierkegaard has this fantastic quote that is just mind-blowing. Kierkegaard says, if I were a physician, and if I were allowed to prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. For even if the word of God were proclaimed in the modern world, how could one hear it with so much noise? Therefore, create silence. You know, when I first heard this question, I thought, oh, of course, Scripture would be the answer, right? Scripture, it's holy Scripture, not holy silence. And Kierkegaard's quote here made me think of like, well, yeah, but if it's noisy, how can you hear the Word of God? <laughs> you know, if, if your mind is full of clamor, how can you read the Scripture? Have you ever opened the Scriptures and you read, and then after a while you don't even know what you're reading anymore because your head, head is so like, distracted. I think Kierkegaard's right. I, I, I think silence is the most important thing because without being still, how can we know anything about God, right? So I, I'd like to give you maybe some really easy possibilities that you can try to explain and, um, and uh, try. Um, now, I, I am at, uh, I'm, I'm able to do this twice a day. When I first started doing this a couple years ago, it was really hard to do even just one a day. And um, about, I'd say a year ago, I started doing, uh, trying to do twice a day. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm gonna add a third, you know? I usually do morning and either noon or night. Um, but I've been getting into able to do morning and there's other two, and I'm going to add one. So I want to, I just want to encourage you, if you're like, you're listening, you're like, man, Drew, I don't do any of this. That's totally okay. Um, I would encourage you to, to set a goal to do one a day and, and, and maybe set the bar low. Say like, okay, well, I'm going to do it three times a week. I'm going to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever. Or, or you know, like just set, it, it, I, I think it's a way easier to go, I'm going to try this once a day, three times a week, and then work up from there, then to say, I'm gonna do it twice a day, seven days a week, and when you forget on day two, you're totally demoralized and you're not energized to do it. Uh, I'm a big advocate of just like, just start where you're at and just start working in, in the rhythm and have it. And it takes so much time, it takes 
probably months to develop this, but um, it's easy. Um, if you have nothing, okay, you can have, if most of you have the Bible app, you can take the Bible app, do verse of the day. Do, do, do verse of the day. I, I do this with my boys. Um, every morning we do the verse of the day and have them read it. Um, so if you do anything, here's an easy daily office. You get the Bible app. You can even have it send you a notification on your phone at a certain time. And uh, you could, if you drink coffee in the morning, okay, tie it to your coffee. I've, it's been helpful for me to tie this to an, an existing habit. You know, so I have a habit of brushing my teeth in the morning. It's the first thing I do. And then I have a habit of making coffee. Well, those two habits are tied together. So I added a third habit. I add daily office after coffee. So now my rhythm is wake up before anybody else, usually on best case, five, you know, usually it's 6.30, worst case it's seven. But I try to wake up before anyone else in my household, brush my teeth, make a cup of coffee, and then I do my daily office right there. Like I've been awake for five minutes and I'm doing my daily office. And it can be as simple as verse of the day, you set a timer for a minute and you're just gonna be still for a minute. Maybe you can work up to two minutes, maybe you can do five minutes, maybe you can do 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but just to be still. In the morning, it's easy for me because I'm not a morning person and it's really easy for me to drink a cup of coffee in a dark house, be still, and then to have the verse of the day that I just chew on. And, and listen, my friends, that's enough. The point is not to do certain things. The point is to experience God's presence. Um, there's a lot of other daily, you can just go in the app store and search daily office. There's a tons of daily office ones. Um, one thing that I do when I'm not in a certain plan is I do whatever the Psalm is and, and whatever um, the gospel reading is for that day. And so there's a couple of uh, daily office apps that I have. And it's been great to just like, I, I can read through the Psalms in a month. And it's been powerful to just read through and pray through the Psalms multiple times a day in the entire month. It's crazy. It's, it's awesome. Um, you can uh, do the day-by-day. Day. Um, we've been talking about the, um, the uh, Emotionally Healthy Spiritually Day-by-Day day devotional. A lot of our leaders are going through, I think we're week four into 40 days of it. This is my third time going through that little book. It's 10 bucks. Highly, if you're like, if you really want to jump in the deep end and you like, you want structure and you want silence and, and a scripture and a devotion and a question and a prayer and more silence, uh, I don't have it with me. It's, it's at home, um, but totally recommend that. Um, Advent is coming pretty soon. Find an Advent devotional and work in Advent into your daily office. Set a time. Maybe it's the morning. Maybe it's noon. Maybe it's night where you're going to be still and then you, then you do your Advent devotional, and then you be still again. Um, uh, uh, another one that's really easy that I heard um, Pete Skazira talk about was sometimes their daily office is at the end of the day, him and his wife Jerry are you know laying in bed, and their daily office is, what are you grateful? What are you sad for? Like, what today are you grateful for? What today are you sad for? And, and Pete, who wrote the book, says sometimes that's the only thing they can do. Is at the end of the day, say, what are you grateful for? What are you sad about? And just offer that to God and to be still. I mean, so, so you can see just, it's really not important what you do, as long as you have some silence and you can work in scripture once you're still, and you do that, and you do that rhythmically, okay? Um, I'll just share what I found works for me. And 
I share this so cautiously because um, I had an introverted pastor share his version of it with me long ago, and I thought, well, I have to do that. And the problem is I'm not an introvert, in case you didn't know. And so um, what works for me most likely will not work for you unless you have a similar wiring that I have. But for me, being sitting on the couch, reading, being quiet, I fall asleep. And, and so what I found is um, beyond the morning, um, I need to be um, outside. So, so my morning daily office right now is I wake up, like I said, I brush my teeth, I get a cup of coffee, I sit on my couch or I go in my, in my study and I will either sit in darkness and have some silence and then go to the verse of the day or do the, the, the day-by-day devotional or read the Psalm or the Gospel of the day. And I'll do that. And that's maybe um, 15, 30 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes. It depends on when the kids wake up. In the afternoon, what I love to do, and this is where it gets fun, is I like to go for a walk. My daily office is often going for a walk. Our office here is right on the river, and so sometimes when I'm here, I can walk out this door, and within a minute, I'm on the river walk. And um, often, my daily office, in, in, you know, either before lunch or after lunch or during lunch, is I go walk the river, especially as the weather gets cooler. It's so great. And there's times where I'll be sitting here at my desk, and I'll just be overwhelmed, or I'll be stuck with something, and I'll just feel the Lord say, come walk with me. And I'll just close the computer, and I'll walk out the store, I'll put in some headphones, I'll put on some worship music, and I'll walk from here all the way up to the Pearl, and I'll go and I'll stand, there's like a little waterfall right by La Gloria, and I'll just go there and I'll sit in front of this waterfall where we did our first baptism, and I'll just stare at the water, and I'll just say, Lord, I need your rivers of life in my heart. And I'll, I'll do that sometimes for a minute. I'll do that sometimes for 30 minutes. And I'll just walk there. I'll sit, I'll stare at the water and I'll just say, Lord, I need your living water to bubble up in my heart. And then I walk back and I come back to work. And, and, and anybody watching me doesn't think I'm doing anything profoundly spiritual, but it is a lifeline. And it has been a lifeline that I've done in the past two years that has gotten me through so much of the heartache of the season that we're in is when it gets too tough, I go to the river walk, I go for a walk, I go stare at some waterfalls and I say, Jesus, I need your, your rivers of living water to come to my heart. In the evening, sometimes um, when I get home, if, especially if I'm carrying a lot of stuff, I'll pull my truck in the garage, I'll turn my truck off. And before I open the car, I'll lay my head on the steering wheel and I'll just take a big deep breath. <sighs> and I'll do that until I have some peace in my heart, until I feel like all the pressures of the church and all the pressures of ministry and all the problems are gone. And then I get out of the truck. And that is part of my daily office, right? And nobody walking by, see me pull my truck in and see me wait in my truck for an extra minute is probably thinking, wow, he's doing something spiritual. But I totally am. And then, you know, before bed, um, often, um, sometimes I'll watch some TV before I go to bed, but if I really need it and what I should do is not do that, and I'm not as good at this as I want to be, but, but on my best days, um, I'm doing a daily office as I'm laying in bed and I drift off into sleep with peace, being still the Lord. Now, um, a couple of things. One, I'm a pastor and this is part of my job because if I am not centered on the Lord, we're all a mess, 
and I have a responsibility for you and for our church. And so there's some added pressure and incentive for me to do it. Um, but uh, this is for everybody, right? Um, you have five minutes in the morning. You have five minutes before, during, or after your lunch break. You have five minutes at five o'clock. You have five minutes before you get to bed. You have the time. Um, what you might not have is the habits and the rhythms built in to prioritize meeting with God. And my friends, no shame, no condemnation. Listen, the beast is strong. Anxieties are strong. Notifications are strong. Our attention span isn't helping. No shame. There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But I just want to offer you, if, if, if you don't have a regular rhythm of connecting with Jesus, and I'm not talking about you doing things. I'm just talking about you setting a timer and going, I'm going to stop for a minute. Like, you can do that. You can do that. What often happens as you do that, you, you, you're going to get discouraged, but I don't want you to see it as a discouragement. Often, when you start to practice silence, your mind is going to start racing and you're going to start thinking of grocery lists and things you didn't do and, oh, the fence is broken. Oh, I didn't call this person back or I forgot to text this person. Or, and, and your mind will start to race and then you'll start to beat yourself up like, oh, I can't even do a minute of silence. And you'll get frustrated. You'll get, is this even working? I don't feel anything. Am I wasting my time? Am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it right? Is God going to show up? Often people experience that, everyone experiences that, but often people feel like they're failing or they're wasting their time or they get discouraged with that and they stop. No, friends, listen, you being still and then your mind beginning to do that is a win because you are becoming aware of the anxieties, the worries, the fears, the distractions, the flesh patterns of your mind. And that is a win. How many people aren't aware of their anxieties, their fears, their worries, their distractions, their hurriedness? If you try this and you start to get you know, your mind everywhere, my friends, be encouraged because it's working. You are being still and your flesh patterns are like going haywire and like, no, 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 you should be worried. You should be consumed. You should be thinking about this. You should be working. Don't be concerned with whether it's a pleasurable experience. Don't be concerned with whether it's the Mount of Transfiguration and it's just like a glorious time with the Lord. No, 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 no. When those distractions come, when the hurriedness of your mind comes, when the fears and the anxieties and the worries start to crowd your mind, acknowledge them and just say, Lord, I give that to you and come back to center. It's working. We're gonna practice this in a moment. But I wanna ask you this question and I wanna ask you to sit with it. What rhythms have you installed and experimented with in your day that keep you connected to the presence of God. 
What is keeping you from owning your life, your time, your calendar, your appointments? What is keeping you from making some appointments with God each day? Listen, my friends, you have agency of your life. You have responsibility of your calendar. And, and maybe you, you, you have a job that has a, like a control on, and, and that's, that's fine. But, but what, that's how many percent of the hours out of the day is that? You have agency of your time and your calendar. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a daily appointment with God, start now. Set an appointment with God for later today, for this afternoon. And then set an appointment with God tomorrow morning. And, and I, I've, got, I've got an appointment in my calendar, one o'clock every afternoon. I have a five-minute appointment that pops up. It alerts me on my watch, on my phone, my computer. And it reminds me, stop, pray for your family, pray for Shari, pray for the kids, pray for the church for five minutes. I have that appointment every single day. Work this into your calendar. Make it a priority. And, and don't feel like you got to bite off the whole thing. Just start small. Start with doing one thing a couple of times a week and work your way up from there. A lot of people, and I know this as a pastor, it might be obvious, it may not be obvious. A lot of people live off of the spirituality of others. A lot of people live off of my spirituality. A lot of people are dependent on getting a word from God through their pastor. And, and, and there's totally inappropriate um, place for that, okay? Like, I need to go and, and hear God through other people as well. So don't mishear me bagging on that. But what a lot of people have is a big bucket. And when the bucket gets empty, they have to take it somewhere. They have to take it to a podcast or a book or a church service or a ministry, and they need to get it filled up. And, and I, I understand, like, there's times where you feel empty and you just need to go somewhere and get refilled. Totally, right? I feel that way sometimes. But if that's your 24-7 experience, something's off. It is far better to have a small spring of water inside of you because that's where the Spirit lives, inside of you. Jesus told the woman at the well that he wants to put rivers of living water inside of you. It is far better to have a small spring of living water inside of you, bubbling up that you can access at any time, than to have a bucket you gotta take somewhere to go get filled up. That's kind of the point of the message of, uh, the, of, of the woman in Samaria. And so I, I wanna ask you, uh, the daily office helps us keep that small spring inside of us bubbling up. It, it keeps the well open and it, and it brings us to that well, morning, noon, and night. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you maybe three or four minutes of silence, okay? And um, I want you to get comfortable wherever you are. Get comfortable. And um, pay attention to your breath. Often the body will tell us how we're really doing. So if you're really anxious, you know, like your shoulders might be stiff, you might be clenching your fist or your jaw, you might be breathing fast or heavy. So you're, I just, I found like, man, when I can slow my breathing, my spirit gets more calm. It's kind of crazy. It's like when you get on your knees, you become more, you, you, you take on a home position. It's hard to be arrogant when you're on your knees, right? So often the, the spirit follows the posture of the body. 
Um, it's hard to be like um, closed off with your hands raised and surrender, you know? So, um, so pay attention to your body, pay attention to your breath, be, be, be comfortable. And if you experience distractions, I'm gonna, you know, we call these sacred words. And um, in the Lord, as you practice, the Lord will give you one. Um, but a couple you could borrow is you could just say, Abba, Father. Like the moment you start to get distracted, come back to center by saying, Abba, Father. Or you can pray the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's one of my favorites. Or you could just say, come Holy Spirit. And you could be still breathing. You start to get distracted. Come Holy Spirit, bring you back to center. We're gonna put the scripture on the screen if you need something to stare at. Psalms 130, verse five. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. So let's wait on the Lord. Let's just be still. Let's just be silent. No agenda. For some of you, this will be just a boring experience. That's fine. For some of you, this is going to be life-giving and you're going to feel it. It's going to be life-giving for everybody. But close your eyes. Slow your breathing. Pick a sacred word, a sacred phrase. And let's wait for the Lord. Let's allow our soul to wait for it. Let's put our hope in his word. And then I'll lead us into a time of communion and prayer.